What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast, your favorite Star Trek podcast, favorite, maybe, independent Star Trek podcast. We're the cool, scrappy underdog of Star Trek podcasts, everybody. I'm David Majors, and my co-host is Miss Heather Kirby. What's going on, Heather? What's up? Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I, 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 I'm already like halfway through my bottle of wine for Valentine's Day, so yes, we're going to have love a fun it. recording tonight. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what I was looking for. I I would hope that you are, by the end of this podcast, in full seven of nine being carried out by the doctor tipsy. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> and, and I can't think of a better person to have on as a guest for this episode of Promenade than the one, the only, Thad. Your, your personal Trek Twitter bestie, Thad. What's going on? Welcome to Promenade Merchants, Thad. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I I guess I should say long-time listener, first-time caller, or something to that effect. Hey, we love to see it. So, the story behind me inviting Thad on tonight, because, like, you know, like... I like we have a guest about once every five episodes and this is episode 23 so we're a little early or whatever but I may have made a comment back in like December uh when I was giving Thad a hard time for never podcasting with me <laughs> and he insisted well you're the one making a podcast right now so you need to invite me on so I told him I would invite him on for Valentine's Day which is why I insisted that we record on Valentine's Day <laughs> and that is here so that's I mean, why he's on episode 23 instead of 25. Well, we, it's our podcast. We could make the rules. We can have guests on whenever we like. And Thad, it's it's really great to have you on. And uh, you were saying right before the show uh, that you had something that you wanted to uh, elucidate and expound upon uh, yes. from our last episode about uh, how the fact that I'm kind of a cheap bastard. And when I saw the prices for the upcoming <laughs> STLV, uh, Creation Entertainment, Las Vegas-based Star Trek-themed convention, which is yet to be fully named, uh, I, 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 kind of, I kind of was taken a bit aback by those prices. Uh, Thad, I, I would love to know your take. Sure. So, uh, obviously, yes. The prices can are pretty high, especially if you're looking at the gold tickets. Uh, but I will say, uh, the general admission gets you access to all of the panels and everything except a fancy dinner for gold, which, from what I hear, is not actually that fancy. Uh, so you're not missing the the big advantage to gold is you you have a seat basically right in front of the stage, but that's not a huge advantage because they have giant video screens in the theater and you're still guaranteed a seat with general admission uh so i should say i have been to the convention that used to be called stov uh three times uh and i have never had a problem with general admission just 
they one of the things creation does is they guarantee a seat in the main theater for everyone no matter what ticket level you have which is a big advantage that they have over some of the other commercial companies like read pop and the others which don't and make people line up for panels and things like that uh the other thing that i i should mention yes general admission is 330 dollars but they creation's not going to advertise on the website because they want people to pay all the money but Every year, they don't sell out, and a month, about a month before the convention, uh, general admission tickets go up on Gold Star, which is a reseller like Groupon, uh, for half price. It happens every single year, so you don't actually have to spend three hundred thirty dollars to go to SCLV. Okay. The All other right. thing. Uh, yes, hotels are expensive, but there are, especially if you're looking just on the website, you're going to you're going to get linked to the Rio and those prices are expensive. It's Vegas Hotel. They're actually relatively cheap as far as Vegas hotels go, but there's also a hotel across the street that's half the cost. Uh, you do have to spend three minutes walking through the Vegas heat from one hotel to the other. Which, you know, that sucks in August, but it's worth it to save hundreds of dollars. Uh, and finally, uh, I will say, you were talking about the differences between commercial conventions and fan-run conventions. And that's absolutely true. The atmosphere is different for commercial versus fan-run. But I, will, I, I believe that STOV is sort of an amalgamation of the two because of the way it's set up. Where basically the Trekkies take over this casino for a week. You do sort of have the whole everybody's hanging out and it's Vegas, so the bars never close. Uh, you have this feeling of everybody's hanging out the whole time and there are panels that go all day long. I mean, they don't go after like eight o'clock at night or anything, but you know, you have panels all day that you don't it's not a it's not an in and out sort of thing like you can get at a Comic Con, for instance. Okay, okay, so it, it does kind of have a little bit of that uh, party-slash-convention vibe oh, yeah, to it, which, which is important, I believe. Yeah. The con itself closes, you know, normal convention times, but then everybody's still there. So the bars in the Rio are filled with Trekkies all night long. Okay, all right, okay. I, I can dig that. I can dig that. Well, Thad, thank you very much for your insight. Uh, you've calmed me a little bit uh, <laughs> in regards to the economics of that particular event. Uh, so maybe we'll see. We'll see how things go down the line. But uh, let's just jump in to the podcast, as it were, with old business. Uh, right now, I guess we're all kind of in a holding pattern as far as old business goes. That's all we've got. All we've got is old business. So let's go with a tried and true Star Trek conversation, guys. Um, I'll throw this one around the horn because this is a sci-fi franchise and things happen in space. And what do you need in space? You need spaceships. So, Heather, I, I will ask you first and we can go around. Uh, what are some of your favorite starships in Star Trek? Okay, so I'm not, like, one of the people who absolutely go crazy over spaceship porn. But there are a couple that really stand out to me. And 
the one interesting one is the Jem'Hadar ships from DS9. There's something about purple in spaceships that I just absolutely love. I just think it looks sleek and modern and really cool. Um, so I really love the Jem Hadar warships from DS9. Uh, the other one that is kind of like my Federation pick, because I, I think most of the Federation ships are like, yeah, okay, they're really nice. But I love what they did with the Discovery, especially in Season 3, the refit. So it's now the NCC 1031A. Um, I just think it looks really cool. It, it, it just looks shiny and new, and it's like the ship that I loved in the first two seasons, but it, it, it's just so much more pretty. <laughs> Let me ask you something, Heather. Um, in the first two seasons of Discovery, one of my favorite things about the ship was the interior visuals, because I love what Discovery does with the color blue. I love how everything in Discovery has sort of a, a blue tint to it. But in Season 3, they seem to have pulled that back a little bit. I want to know if you've noticed that or not. Well, you know, um, that's one of the things I don't really notice until it gets pointed out to me. <laughs> but I saw a post, and I forget who who shared like this info, but I saw a post from that really showed like the aesthetics of discovery and the show as a whole, but it has a lot, a lot to do with the lighting and the inside of the ship or whatever, uh, between seasons one, season two and season three and season one, the aesthetic was really blue. There were lots of blues, uh, lots of blue hues. The lighting, uh, hit, hit blue a lot. Uh, season two, the aesthetic changed to something, more red with especially with the focus on the red angel so there was a lot of red aesthetics in season two and then going on to season three the aesthetic went to yellow so they covered the three different major colors in star trek blue red and yellow with their lighting Whoa. aesthetics yeah mm, i like it like I said, I forget who shared that, but like they shared pictures and clips from one, two, and three, and I'm like, oh yeah, now I see it. That's really cool. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. To... I can definitely get that. I do definitely. It'll be interesting to see what they if they change that again going into season four and they pick a, a, another color to focus on. Uh, Thad, what's one of your favorite starships? All right, my I have an easy answer to this. My favorite starship is the refit Constitution class. Okay, expound. I I think it looks really cool. Um, <laughs> I I don't have you know specific reasons why it's better than any other. I just I I love the look. Um, I mean the the original Enterprise in TOS is great, but I think they just hit it out of the park when they redesigned it for the motion picture. Okay. It just okay. looks elegant and beautiful and I love the blue deflector dish compared to the actual the the bronze dish that it had before and I just think it's a fantastic looking ship. 
And I mean, that's why they had to spend seven minutes showing you the ship in the motion picture, <laughs> right? Because it's that pretty. Yes. People, people still complain about that, which is wild. Because it is pure, dare I say, starship porn in its purest form. It may be oh, yeah. one of the very first examples of, of just pure, uncut spaceship porn. I'll and take that over the 10 minutes of Spock flying into V'ger any day. <laughs> you know, I actually did think that was pretty cool. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what it was. It was the the special effects. Maybe I had been hitting the snake leaf. I don't know. But I, I really <laughs> dug that. I really dug it. Um, but yeah, okay, the Constitution class. Now, now that I'm I'm looking and seeing that, okay, it's the Enterprise from the motion picture. Okay, that that is what I'm thinking of now. All right. Um, as for me, uh, I have two that come to mind that I think I've said on the podcast before, but I'm going to go with the one that I think might be more of a, a spaceship answer, and that's Voyager. I've always loved everything about Voyager from the perspective of a starship. I love that it is still visually reminiscent of the things we've seen in Star Trek before, but it is still very much its own design. I remember as a little kid when I first saw Voyager and saw that when it went to warp, the nacelles would tilt, and I just remember thinking that was the coolest thing ever. Like it was just <laughs> yeah. it just blew my mind. Um also for whatever reason, the saucer dish of Voyager, uh it was uniquely shaped like it wasn't completely spher- spherical like others. But it was really, really cool to me that it just had a very different shape and the the lettering of the the USS Voyager and the NCC number were right there. And it was always just very, very unique and interesting to me. Um, also, and I've said this before on the podcast for sure, I love Voyager's bridge. It is my favorite bridge in Star Trek. I absolutely love it. Uh, the only one that would really come close is my second favorite ship, and that would be the Enterprise from Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery, uh, slash the Enterprise we'll most likely see on Strange New Worlds. Uh, we've only really seen mostly the inside of that ship, but I absolutely loved it. I loved what we saw of engineering in the short track. Uh, I loved what we saw inside the Enterprise on Season 2 of Discovery. I absolutely love how it looks retro, but it also looks very, very well done and well produced for now. And I'm really excited to see what that ship looks like on the inside, because for me, what the ship looks like on the inside is going to be the most important, because that's where we're going to see the crew most of all. We're Mm -hmm. going to be seeing them walking through the ship. We're going to be seeing them in their quarters and briefing rooms and on the bridge. I'm really excited for those things. But on top of all of those, the one that really does it for me the most is probably Voyagers. And another thing that I remember is, and this was when Voyager was airing in its first run, when there was, I don't remember what episode it was, where they talked about landing the ship on a planet. And I don't know why, but at the time that absolutely blew my mind 
oh, when, yeah, me too. when they were bringing the ship down and then you saw the, the landing legs pop out and then they, they just touched down on the ship. And it, it might have been the first time I had seen a Starfleet ship land that, that wasn't a crash landing. And I was just <laughs> blown away that, wow, they actually can land. This is awesome. So, yeah, for me, Voyager did a, a lot of those things for me. I don't understand how it doesn't fall on the saucer, though, because if you look at that, those tiny little landing struts on the engineering hall, and then you have this giant saucer just sort of hanging there. Like, how is it not top-heavy? I, I, I guess Bellana figured out something. <laughs> I, I trust her, and, and I love her, so she, I assume she just she figured out how to do it somehow. um yeah um let's talk a little bit more about like the inside of the ships for a minute that i'll ask you like the inside of a ship uh which Uh are some that maybe aesthetically stand out most to you the inside i love the bridge of the defiant I think it's, uh, I mean, obviously it's smaller than the others, but I think it's just, I, I, I think it's really cool. I like how, I like the sort of captain's dais that Cisco's sitting at with it, with the, with, cause he's got his chair, but then he's also got those panels on either side of it. And he's just up on a, up on a little dais around everybody else. And, and unlike, say on TNG or Voyager where it's like separate where the captain's seat is separated from the rest by you know workstations behind it etc Cisco's just sort of like there in the middle of the bridge with nothing around him and I I, I like that look Uh, I think it just looks really cool all right uh Heather uh I I can I always thought that was a really cool look too it was very authoritative uh, in mm-hmm. the same way as Teraknor was where you had the, the prefect of Teraknor had his office above everybody else. It yep. Was very, very DS9 in that way. So I totally get it. Uh, Heather, how about you? Uh, the inside of the ship. So what do you think comes to your mind? Well, hmm. I would say probably, probably, and this is going to be a weird answer for me, probably TOS. (laughs) Um, I I, I, I like the inside of the original Enterprise. I think it just, it it, it kind of pops a little more for me because like, I, I love TNG, but it's very, like, TNG's very just monochrome, and <laughs> everybody else has, like, their silvers, and it, it 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 very feels just like a typical ship. Like, it doesn't feel like anything really fancy or whatever, and I don't, TOS feels a little bit more homey when you look at the inside and some of the the people's quarters that we got to see, it doesn't feel very um, industrial. Okay. It it, it feels more like a, a a home than a military posting. I I get what you're saying because I think this is something that they've even talked about how uh, in the beginning days of the Federation, uh, a lot of this stuff was still kind of being put together very, not haphazardly, but they were still kind of figuring it all out. 
And yeah. in a lot of ways, the original Enterprise was probably a, a grand experiment of sorts in terms of visuals and designs. They probably weren't quite sure what it was going to look like yet. Uh, they probably weren't even thinking that Star Trek as a series was going to become what it was. And then over time, when it did, they had to go with the idea that the Federation grew and became more more standardized and more of a military organization with a little bit more uniformity. Um, but back then, they probably didn't have that back then. I, I remember that's something Captain Janeway said to Harry Kim once on an, on an episode of Voyager, how things were very, very different back then. And that makes a lot of sense that visually, uh, especially given that it was the 60s and those were the, the visual cues and design choices at the time, it does have a little bit more, a little bit more flair to it than the the '90s or, or even the modern day Star Trek, which has a, a bit more of a, a cleaner look to it. But yeah, I can definitely get down with what you're saying on that. But just to follow up, um, what we have seen of the Enterprise on Discovery and eventually, eventually Strange New Worlds, that Enterprise, how do you feel about it, Heather? Well, I mean, I like the bridge uh, because the bridge really takes like the 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 colors and the brightness of the original Enterprise and incorporates it into it. Um, I'm still haven't passed judgment on the rest of the ship yet because I don't think we've seen enough of the rest of the ship yet for me to pass judgment on how I feel about it. But I like the bridge. Okay. All right. Well, we got something to look forward to at least, if nothing else. Uh, which brings us into new business. Um, so, the changeover from CBS All Access to Paramount Plus looms. Uh, everything I've read and looked up on says that there will be no price change. So, that's a positive. It won't change mm -hmm. the price at all. Uh, but this also brought some commercials uh, and some advertising and some marketing for Paramount Plus. Some even made the Super Bowl. Uh, and there was one moment in particular, and no, I'm not talking about Beavis and Butthead and their joke about crack, <laughs> which which really got me. I don't care. I'm sorry, but it made me laugh, uh, especially Michael Burnham's reaction. That that just that just really made me laugh. But of course, we're talking about one particular commercial where we saw young Spock, played by Ethan Peck, uh, with the Vulcan salute in one hand, and his other hand over his Vulcan heart, uh, vibing out to what was apparently sweet victory from SpongeBob SquarePants, which led to, of course, all sorts of conversations about Spock vibing to music. Thad, I'll ask you first. Uh, what did you think of these commercials and, and Spock vibing? I thought vibing? it was fine. I thought it was nice. I liked it. I, I think the people... I, first off, I will say that the people who are complaining about it are almost almost uniformly the same people who have hated every possible thing about New Star Trek already. But I think people need to lighten up and realize that it's a commercial, and it's okay if a Vulcan likes music. Yes. yes. Don't they? 
I was they always do. under the impression. Plus, Spock is half human. Uh-huh. If if he wants to move his body a little bit, and and as I said, if the music moves you internally, it is only logical to move externally. That's only logical. That's what music is there for, is it not? Certainly. Okay. Absolutely. Heather, I will ask you, uh, have you seen the Spock vibing account on Twitter? And have you sent in a request? I have considered sending a, a request uh, because I really want a Mamma Mia <laughs> by ABBA. <laughs> they did Dancing Queen. I know, but see, I have a I have a whole story about how I hate the song Dancing Queen because wow. when I was a freshman in high school, my homeroom was the Latin teacher's homeroom, and so. Every day during homeroom, her and the rest of the Latin class were practicing for, like, a a competition they were going to. And they were singing Dancing Queen in Latin. And I had to hear that on repeat every day for at least a month. So now I really hate the song. Ah. Dancing Queen in Latin like Hamlet in the original Klingon? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, I thought about sending in a request, but other than that, um, I think the one that Thad did, the video <laughs> that Thad did with Spock vibing to Faith of the Heart is clearly the best out of all of them. That That's pretty on brand. That That's very brand focused. I submitted my request for uh, Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison because I just think that was a great song to pick. Uh, I sent in another. If it goes through, we'll, we'll update you guys. But, yeah, I, I just think that it it's okay for Star Trek to be a little bit lighter. It's not the super serious hard sci-fi show some people may make it out to be. And did the Beavis and Butthead interstitial upset some people? Sure, it probably did. And I can get that because it is Beavis and Butthead. But to a certain degree, Beavis and Butthead are a relic of a time of now almost two and a half decades ago. If you're still getting upset by Beavis and Butthead, then it's really no wonder why so much of recent Star Trek upsets you. Because you are just, you're way, way, way in the past. And... Yeah, all this means to me is that CBS Viacom sees Star Trek as an important, valuable brand to their company. And as Trekkies, I'll ask you guys that, Heather, isn't that what you want from your big conglomerate? That to just see Uh Star Trek is an important franchise. Yep, because when Paramount thought Star Trek wasn't an important franchise is when we had Enterprise canceled. We we had a break from Star Trek for a while, but now it's back in full force. Ooh, boy, is it back in full force. Um, but that's not a bad thing that nope. they want Star Trek to be seen and to be a part of this. Oh, yeah. They are definitely leaning into advertising this as the place where you can watch Star Trek, which is good. because, And it makes sense because that was basically all CBS All Access was for a lot of people. Uh 
I think with Paramount Plus, it's going to have more appeal for with other things, but they still want people to know, hey, we've got Star Trek. Come and get it. Yeah. And, like, because, like, didn't they, one of their Super Bowl ads, like, really focused on just the 55-year anniversary of Star Trek. And someone, uh, I, I, I saw someone who was like, well, I wish they would have added, like, older characters in there and not just focused on the new shows. But that, to me, that shows that that's, they're they're willing to push this product that they're making that they're really mm-hmm. focusing on Star Trek, and they want to get the characters from their new shows and the new content that they're currently producing. They want to get it out there and let people know that this is the one place where they can find it. So uh, I'm all for that. And they're not relying on the nostalgia of the old shows. Which, in my opinion, is great. Because the more you try and rely on nostalgia and create what's already been created over and over and over again, you don't really progress or move anything forward. And that's what Star Trek is, isn't it? I I really think that's what... uh the Kurtzman era of Star Trek that we're in right now is really about. It's about moving forward. It has so many different areas where you can tell it's still Star Trek and it holds respect for what comes before it because it takes these themes and these characters and involves them in the story. But ultimately, in every single episode, in every single series, it is moving and advancing this universe forward. And that's the most important part. Yeah, so stop Absolutely. whining. <laughs> they will shut never up stop whining. Shut up and stop whining. <laughs> have you met Star Trek fans? <laughs> yes, I have. They need to shut up and stop whining. <laughs> um, But we we might even have some, some more things to look forward to, guys. Now, again... We're prefacing all of this. Rumor, 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 speculation only, nothing confirmed, rumor, rumor, rumor. But the the latest is that whatever the next Star Trek movie in in the Kelvin timeline is apparently back on. Supposedly. So that that's what it's looking like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Again, rumors, speculation. Yeah, right. So, on top of all of that, am I the only one who's kind of feeling like even if this does happen and it is real, do we really need a fourth? Am I the only one, guys? Uh, okay. Well, I go back and forth on this subject a lot because I love the Kelvin movies. I have a lot of respect for all three Kelvin movies. And I I think all three of them told really wonderful stories. Um, I wasn't sure if 
we needed more Kelvin movies. But then I went and watched Wonder Woman 1984 and saw Chris Pine with gray sideburns and said, okay, yeah, he would look hella good with those as Kirk right now. <laughs> so then I decided I wanted to see him as Kirk again. But then, like, because the, the rumors that are floating around right now is that Star Trek Four is back on and they still want to do the time travel thing, which to involve Chris Hensworth, which I think is probably not a good idea. And, and I'll just but, throw this one out there. I just read something that even the Quentin Tarantino movie is being talked about again. So, hey, whatever. Well, well no, no, eh, we're not, and eh, not even. Eh, but the, no, the, the, no. the reason why I don't want this rumor to be true is that they're talking about involving William Shatner eh. in the movie. Since Leonard That's Nimoy died. No, 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 no. I don't yeah. want William Shatner involved in any sort of Star Trek right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't. He is not the type of person that, yes, he, he, he has such a legacy as playing Kirk in the original series, and I respect his legacy, but I don't want the current actor and his current ramblings that he goes off on on Twitter. Like, to, we, we can have a Gina Carano situation here if you involve William Shatner in Star Trek again right now. Mm-hmm. I don't want that, okay? Star Trek doesn't need that drama. I don't think it'll happen. I I'm really don't think doubtful. Shatner I'm, would be involved. I'm uh, very doubtful. The only way that he would be involved, I think, is if they made him like, because he's said multiple times, the only way that he would be involved in something is if he was like the main character, and they're not going to do that. No. He's 90. I know. (laughs) Yeah, that's his ego talking. Like, he doesn't want to be involved unless he's the center of freaking attention. That's his ego talking. It ain't gonna happen then. So again, rumors, rumors, rumors. It's all speculation since right now I'm guessing at least one Star Trek series is is filming that we know of. Discovery Season 4 is being produced and filmed right now. Maybe Star Trek Picard Season 2 is being worked on right now. And something tells me... Guys, I'll ask you since we're still in upcoming... Is it just me, or has everything been really quiet about Strange New Worlds? It's been really it, quiet. It has, but Ethan Peck's in Toronto. So... Ethan Peck I, is in Toronto, which makes me think something's going on. I mean, because it's not like... Okay, so this is 2021. Ethan Peck is not on a on a just fun trip to Toronto, because you can't do that right now. Uh, yeah. So he's there for work of some kind. The odds of it being something other than Star Trek are slim. It's possible, but it's slim. Now, yes. interestingly, Jason Isaacs is also in Toronto right now. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Okay, um, I didn't know that one. Yeah, yeah I did not Jason know that Isaacs one. Jason is in Toronto right now, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Jason media. Isaacs is a troll. He is yeah, a exactly, massive troll. Right. But... Social media is an interesting thing, but Jason Isaacs posted about Toronto like a week before Ethan Peck did. So it's not like he was, you know, 
that said, I I think it's unlikely that Jason Isaacs is going to be in season one of Strange New Worlds. Although, if he is, that's awesome. Uh, you know, given given the timeline and the continuity, it's possible. It's, it's uh, not impossible. Uh, like, it's don't not. get me started on the idea of Jason Isaacs and Anson Mount both being in Strange New Worlds. I'm going to get World. the hose on what, you, girl. What, what, I'm, I'm going to get the we, hose. We, you're about we, to get we, hosed down. We already went into that. I don't want to see it happen. I'm the only woman on earth who doesn't want to see it happen. But I don't want to see it happen because I, I don't want to hear the tight stands bitching at the Lorca stands and, oh, my man's hotter. No, 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 no. I don't want to see it happen. Jason Isaacs is hotter than Anson Mount because that's just like scientifically false we're not having not that until sad. the show premieres have you met jason isaac's fans because i, I have, have. and they are bloody crazy okay yeah, they, they got that like, potter crazy in them so yeah. yeah but anson mount is like the perfect specimen of of a man like there is no one who is more handsome than anson mount on this planet i'm sorry it's just that's just true Anson mm. Mount is an, is a very handsome man. That that is undeniable. That is undeniably true. But we're gonna save that for the Phantom <laughs> Wars when Strange New Worlds comes out. Y- you guys can all argue about that down the line, a- and we'll invite Captain Pikachu and whoever wants to stand for Captain Lorca, and we'll have a a big old debate on it later in a future episode of Promenade Merchants, which you can look forward to. And maybe we'll invite Thad back on for that one, too. Thad, <laughs> thank you so much for being on this week's episode. It was great You're having welcome. you. Uh, tell everybody else what you've got going on, where we can find you. Uh, well, you best place to find me is on Twitter. Uh, I have a couple uh, podcast projects in the wings that may or may not get released soon. But for the moment, just uh, find me on Twitter. I'm at... Tyrannicus, which is T-Y-R-A-N-I-C-U-S. All right. Thank you, Thad. Heather, that's another Star Trek podcast we've done. Um, You got anything else to wrap up with? No, I just want to say that, Thad, now you have been on my podcast and you need to invite me on a podcast because it's your turn now. Okay. Okay. I was a bigger person. Now it's your turn. (laughs) See, this is what it's all about, folks. I'm all about building bridges, building diplomatic envoys. I'm trying to bring all of the Star Trek podcasts together in some sort of, I don't know, federation or something. No, that's terrible. That's a terrible name. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll think of something. Uh, thank you all for listening to Promenade Merchants Podcast. We are and continue to be an independent Star Trek podcast. You can find us wherever podcasts are aggregated. In your Apple Podcasts, in your Spotify, in your Stitcher, in your RSS feed. Check your app, which is wherever you get your podcasts. Look for it by name, Promenade Merchants. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And hey... Not for me. Do this for Heather. She's great. (laughs) Go into your podcast reviewer of choice and give us the old five stars. Do it for Heather. She's great. Do that for Heather, guys. Review this podcast. Give it the old five stars. You don't have to write a review. Nobody reads those. Seriously, nobody reads those. Trust me. But that that five star, it it helps. It it helps get the podcast into the ears of others out there in the quadrant. So would really appreciate if you do that. 
uh, look for us by name, Promenade Merchants. Thank you all for listening. Live long with the prophets and walk with the prosper.